Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line. And been away far too long for that matter is 2003 PGA champion Sean McKeel. Sean is by far one of the most underrated players who's ever played on the PGA Tour. Far too many people, especially in the media, only remember Sean's win at the PGA Championship. They don't give him credit for the other things that he's done out on tour, which include his runner-up finish at the 2006 PGA, finishing behind only Tiger Woods at Medina, or his runner-up finish at the 2006 World Match Play Championship after defeating Tiger Woods, oh, by the way, in the first round, or his 20 top 10 finishes, or his 57 top 25 finishes. He's only the second player to ever record a double eagle in the U.S. Open, which he did back in 2010 at Pebble Beach. And the time, you know, is rapidly approaching for him to get out on the Champions Tour, which I can't, I can't wait to see happen. And I'm glad he is back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Sean, how have you been, my friend? Hi, Chris. I've been doing, about, doing very well. How about yourself? Ah, really well, thank you. So, Sean, I wanted to start our time tonight by, uh, you know, going back to the this year's PGA Championship. And, uh, you know, like I said at the top of the show, you know, I, he- I heard a lot of things about, you know, the, the greens, you know, some of the some of the holes out there and you know, really just not only putting the greens, but just trying to get the ball close to the hole out there. What was it like for you? What was it? What was your experience like at Quail Hollow? Well, it was it was difficult. You know, I got there. um I got there and played my practice round on Monday. I went out with Tony Finau and Charles Howell and kind of a windy day. Um, this was going to go out with for nine holes. And, you know, it's, it's one of the courses that, you know, when you play there and the last time I think I played there was 2011. And, um, I think it was the first time that I ever played a major championship on a golf course that we, that hosted a regular PJ tour event. So I had all these, kind of thoughts about the golf course and how it was going to play, you know, based on the scoring, in, you know, in the tour event that I'd played in for so many years. And uh, we got out there and of course I knew like everybody else, the, the design changes and just the renovation and everything. And uh, to kind of get probably at the end of this conversation first, uh, you know, Charles Howe and I, we got on the green and what I, what I took kind of took away from the first nine holes that I played was that, the golf course really needed what I would call a, a deep tine aerification. Um, it was in tremendous shape, um, very difficult, very penal rough. Although it was rough, you know, you could advance the ball up to the green um, for the most part. But the greens, to me, just didn't feel like they were ready. I, I kind of felt like the golf course needed another year to kind of soften um, just a little bit. It was uh, really difficult to get the ball close to the hole. I, the sub air system that they had, we had some rain. I don't know if they had turned it on, but it was just extremely difficult to get the ball close to the hole. And certainly pitching the ball, there are a lot of, um, what, what, uh, people are calling now thumbprints in the greens, uh, with a lot of runoff areas, with a lot of areas that are, that were shaved down around the greens, just made it very difficult to really kind of really take any flag on. I think it was more defensive golf. And you look at that, even even single digits under par, I think one, what did Justin shoot, eight, nine under, something like that. But um, it was just really difficult to get the, get the ball close to the hole, uh, really with any shot. But um, 
it was different. It was it was unique. I wasn't a big fan of what they did on number one. Um, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of people talk about the holes and and things like that, and I'm sure some people liked it. It just felt to me like it it needed to be played as a par five. Um, just the way that just the difficulty of the green, distance wise, was really not an issue. It was a driver five iron for me. So, uh, but it was a very tough start and just a, a very very challenging um, 18 holes. And, you know, to that point, Sean, you, you talk about, you know, number one, you know, that, and that's some, some things that I've heard, right, is, boy, one should have really been played as a par five, not as a par four. I've also heard, heard concerns about number four, that that green was too penal for the length of shot that you had to play into there. You know, talk about, you know, shot selection and, you know, the irons that you were playing into some of these greens and, you know, and, and you know, as we're starting to see more of now, right, par four is stretched out over 500 yards is it getting ridiculous for for what we're what we're doing to golf courses now no well i don't think so i mean i think what you saw with the u.s open guys were managed to shoot pretty good scores around there and um the, i think the issue was with the greens being firm with the sub air system and it's something you see uh, at, at augusta as well is that the fairways can contain a lot of moisture you know there's no sub air in the fairways and so the ball that you're getting is is not running and you're having to play a much longer shot into the green. Um, so it just makes it makes the mental part of the game, I think, come into play a little bit more. And I think that's something that's been lost in today's game because the, the kids today, they're not afraid, which it's, uh, you know, I kind of embrace that a little bit with watching them play, the style of golf that they play. But this particular year required, uh, you know, ball striking. The fairways did play wider. They were They were fairly generous anyway. But it just required a lot more mental uh, kind of toughness and, and uh, preparation, I suppose, uh, as opposed to just walking up, looking at the flag and firing at it, because that, that's what today's game's become. And, you, you know, you use the word not afraid. And, and speaking of not afraid, when you looked at Dustin Johnson and the drive he hit on 18 in the playoff, right, 350, 60, yeah. whatever it was, yards, right, to give himself a 60-degree, you know, lob wedge in, while Jordan, you know, you know, played straight down the fairway and still had six iron in. Talk about, you know, is that? I mean, to me, that's I, I can't even imagine smashing a ball like that and then having just that little lob wedge in. What did you think when you saw how Dustin played that that hole in the playoff? Well, there's been a lot made. I think of uh, there, was, and I don't know who they were. Just some some pros were talking about. They really didn't think the 19th hole should really turn into a, or the 18th hole should turn into a you know, a long drive competition, but that's just the way the game is. I mean, Jordan plays a strategic game. Um, Dustin took on a lot of risk. I mean, there was no guarantee that he was going to hit a good drive over the water. And I think had he hit it in the water, those comments would have been muted because um, he took a chance. He took a risk and it, and he capitalized on it. I mean, uh, you know, you look back at the way Dustin's played the last few years, his, his putting has improved uh, dramatically. His wedge game, so he actually, what what used to be maybe what I would call a weakness in his game, he actually played to his strength, which is one is driving. Um, but look, distance has always been something that we've all strived for. I don't care if you're playing the 70s, you know, late 70s when I started playing the game, or even today, there are guys that just hit it farther. Now there just seems to be a, more, a lot more guys that, that hit it a long way. But um, it's just it's just the way the game is played now. And you know, I'm sure Jordan would have loved 
to have taken on that water on the left, but he couldn't do it. So he played he played the hole the way he felt like he needed to, and um, and he, he lost the tournament because of it. But um, that you know all, all that was due to, to Dustin's you know good play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So take us inside the tournament a little bit. What was it like being at the Champions Dinner this year? Oh, it's you know look, it's always a uh, a fabulous time. Uh, Jimmy Walker was an incredible host. We've we've all seen the struggles with Jimmy this year with with battling Lyme's disease. I, I talked to him for a little bit. Our lockers were were next to each other in the locker room. Uh, he was just down for me a bit. Talked a little bit about that. And I know his game's been struggling. And I could see that he was a little worn. He was a little tired. Um, it's a huge undertaking, a huge commitment. Uh, there's a lot of nerves kind of going through through the host that night of making sure that, that everyone at that dinner enjoys themselves and enjoys the meal and enjoys the camaraderie and everything. But, um, you know, it is uh, great to be around the other players. Uh, I sat next to Dave Stockton senior and uh spoke with him at length about mostly fishing um we talked to uh, talked to seth wall formerly of the deutsche bank we talked about his new project that he's doing down in orlando with a rail system trying to get from miami to orlando so it wasn't it wasn't all about golf and that's that's typically how those nights go it's it's, it's really fun to to talk to these to these former champions and just the the all the, the people that have been so instrumental in not only playing the game, sponsoring the game, and just being around the game, uh, it's it's just a fun night to uh, to kind of put golf aside. And, uh, I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think we really even talked about the golf course that night. Dave and I really didn't talk about it. We talked about fishing. We talked about salmon fishing and all the stuff he's been <laughs> doing with his son, Junior, who I know very well. But, um, you know, Jimmy was an incredible host, had a great meal, had a nice bone-in ribeye. And um, he gave uh, gave out, you know, we all know that, that Jimmy's a huge astronomer and uh, loves photography. And he gave out a, um, uh, a an unbelievable gift this year. And and uh, anyway, it's just it's just a, it's a great it's a great couple hours to kind of spend with friends and, and, other, and other people that you don't get to see uh, on a daily basis. Is is there a past champion that did you seek out? You know, typically year in and year out because you know sit near him, talk to him because of the great stories that he shares. Oh no, not really. I mean, you're you know when you get there, you're assigned a table and you sit down there with the officers, and it's it's always kind of fun to hear about where they're from and and kind of their path uh, along the road of the PGA of America and and, um, and everything. So. You know, you're kind of assigned, but no. When I get there, it's usually the first thing I do is try to find the bar and get uh, <laughs> and find a, a quick cold drink. You know, so um, kind of relaxes things a little bit. It, it's fun because you know Al Geiberger's there every year, and uh, you know I grew up on the fourth green of the South Course where he shot 59 in 1977. Of course, we just had the 40th anniversary of that um, here in Memphis, and um, I mean, what an accomplishment! So I enjoy talking to him. He's probably got the best business card in in, uh, in the world. Um, you know, he gives you a, a, a fold out card. And when you open it up, it's his scorecard um, of all the of of his of his fifty nine. Of course, signed by Dave Stockton Senior, <laughs> who I sat next to at the dinner. So, um, wow. I I enjoy talking the story. We talk technology. We just talk about the game. You know, family stuff. I mean, it's just a night to uh, really enjoy each other and and. Uh, like I said, I like to listen more than speak. I don't have as much experience as some of these guys. 
So, Sean, as we look ahead to 2019 and the move of the PGA from August to May, how do you, how do you and the other players, how do you guys feel about the change in schedule and having the PGA earlier on in the uh, in the schedule? Well, it's not up to me, obviously, so I I, I kind of go along with it. But I, I, I prefer it to be in August. Um, I know there are a lot of factors. Uh, the game has really changed. I mean, look at the scheduling um, and how our schedule, how it impacts the European tour schedule. I mean, I don't think we're too far away from having a global or world tour. That might be five to ten years away. Um, I think the PGA Tour will still kind of be there, but, but – um, I, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they how they handle some of these venues. Uh, Rochester is supposed to be 2023. That'll be 20 years since my win. It might be my last PGA if they do have it. Then um, Beth Page Black is slated to be the first first one in May. And not being a New Yorker, um, I, I don't know what the weather's like up there um, that type of year. But I'm, you know, I I love the PGA for the heat. You know, we've been to some great places. You know, Southern Hills, I mean, maybe one of the hottest places I've ever been. Um, plays a great host. Um, but, uh, look, we don't have any control. I'm, I'm happy to do, uh, you know, just enter the tournament and play. And, and whenever they tell me it's going to be, that's what, that's what it's going to be. But, um, I don't know. I mean, change is always hard to accept, I suppose, but, um, uh, it may turn out to be the best thing. I mean, obviously the PGA of America has done a lot of thought. I think they've been, uh, thinking about this for some time. I think going back to 2013. So it wasn't just a snap decision that they made. Um, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. I mean, the places that, they t- that they've chosen, um, they know where the infrastructure goes. I think the one issue that I did get out of it was that, you know, setting things up. I mean, you know, I don't know how long the, the – you know, they should probably start very early on. If they if they get a heavy winter in, in New York, I mean, they may not be able to start constructing a lot of those uh, tents and everything uh, until February, March. I, I don't even know. So – um, they'll, they'll figure out a way to get it done, and we'll all look back in 20 years and say it was the best thing they ever made, the best decision they ever made. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, I guess, you know, one of the things that enters my mind when they look at, you know, making this change, you know, is the, the, the for the game itself, right? You know, the tour playoffs now, right, with, that we're seeing as, as we as we speak, and then the tour championship, it's, it, it competes with, you know, college football on Saturdays, and I know you're a big college football fan, and then it, you know, competes yeah. with the NFL on Sundays. It seems like, you know, from my perspective, it's the right thing to do for the game so that this time of year, the playoffs, the tour championship, doesn't have to live in the shadows of football. What do you think? Right. You know, does, does it make sense just from that standpoint? Well, I, I mean, I suppose it does. I mean, I think the everyday golf fan um, – you know, really, really enjoys golf, and they're going to find a way to get it on TV. I did speak with Jim Nance um, at the airport in Charlotte, and uh, we were talking about the moves that were being made, and he said that last year's Tour Championship on Sunday, I think he drew about a 1.8 rating. Uh, and not knowing that business at all, uh, that's apparently pretty bad. <laughs> so um, he said it should have been about a 3 or 4 or something like that. So that's probably a lot of households that haven't tuned in. So you know, they're making the adjustments that they feel like they need to make in order to maximize uh, the product that they're, you know, presenting. And, uh, you know, look, again, a lot of thought has gone into this. There's some very, very smart people that are behind the scenes that are putting these things together. And, um, you know, I guess they've, they've been talking about this. I mean, this, look, this, this shortening of the schedule, this really started with Tiger and Phil. I mean, they were very big proponents in, um, having, um, the schedule shortened 
or at least ending earlier. Um, and whether that was to go for the fall money grab, I don't, I don't really know, but, um, you know, they were very vocal early on in their careers and really up until, and probably still are about, about the schedule, uh, coming to a close around Labor Day. And look, I think it's going to be fine. How is it going to impact the tournaments that are in the fall? I think those, those events still, um, you know, although I always kind of felt like they were the redheaded stepchild for a long time and they weren't, they weren't giving FedEx cup points. They finally did those, um, you know, and, uh, I think they just, um, they have an issue. I mean, it took us a while to kind of wrap our hands around our head around the, you know, the kind of the fall schedule and starting doing a non-calendar year, you know, schedule, but that seems to have worked out. But, but, um, you know, football is king in the, in the fall, in the spring, you know, so, so that's, um, you know, look, I mean, they're going to have a tournament and, you know, I guess guys are just going to enter and play no matter when it is. To your, to your point a moment ago, Sean, about the wraparound schedule, right? That's, I'm, I'm still struggling with that, right? I mean, it's, it, it's just, you know, a lot, a lot of the, you know, the big, the bigger players, you know, a lot of the top players, I guess I should say, you know, don't play in them all that often. It, it sort of gets lost to me, you know, in the, in the NFL season. I, I still scratch my head on, you know, what, what was, what do, what was gained? I mean, it certainly gives some, you know, some guys an opportunity to play, I think, and get into some events that they may not have otherwise had an opportunity to play. So I guess it's, yeah. it's good for, development of those guys and getting them out there. But I don't know. You, what, how do you feel about the wraparound well, season? Well, you know, look, I haven't played that many years in, in the last few years, really, in the fall. It's been since, what, 2011, 2012. Um, you know, I, I, look, we, we this year at the Web.com event, the first two events in the Bahamas, uh, we started playing on – what did we start playing on? Sunday? I think we started playing on Sunday when we played Sunday through Wednesday. Um, you know, there might be an opportunity for the tour to look at the fall schedule and say, okay, we're not going to compete with football. We're going to play during the week in prime time. Um, could they do that? I suppose that would have a huge impact on, uh, you know, the volunteers and, um, and the pro-am participants that are wanting to only take Monday off or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, I didn't really care about the wraparound schedule. It was just different. Uh, European tour had been doing it for a long, long time. So I had some experience with that. But again, if their argument is to get away from football, then they're going to have to do something different if they're going to maintain the five or six events that they have in the fall. They just, there's just no way around it. They're going to have to do something. Um, and, and that could be as simple as playing, you know, you know, Tuesday through Thursday or Tuesday through Friday. I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do, but. Um, they're going to have to do something to kind of, you know, give these tournaments and these sponsors a lot more bang for the buck than they've been getting. Mm-hmm. On a lighter note, you guys got to wear shorts at the PGA during the practice rounds. How great was that? Yeah, it was nice. I, I, I kind of debated that. Kind of, kind of felt kind of odd. There were a few guys that, uh, that, that didn't wear shorts, but I think the majority of the players took advantage of it. It was pretty hot first couple days um you know it's something look that's that's what game that's what the game is today i mean every one of us we got to practice and we were wearing shorts and uh you know there are obviously some uh negative reactions i think to some of the players and uh you know announcers that felt like uh you know it wasn't professional and blah 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 but um it was it was exciting to see that the pj of america is trying to get in tune with um the way the game is really played 
and uh, we're not we're not trying to be stuffy. We're just trying to present, you know, good golf, and and um, and I think that's probably what came across. It was, uh, you know, after really after the first day or so, it was really no big deal. My my big problem was on Tuesday morning when I went to play it at uh, six o'clock in the morning and it was pouring down rain and I had shorts on and no rain pants. <laughs> you know, I mean, other than that, it was, uh, it, I mean, it was fantastic. It really was. So Sean is, you know, I, we look at, you know, some of the things that you're doing to prepare, you know, yourself for playing in more golf tournaments, looking down the road to the champions tour. I know you spent some time recently down in Savannah working on your game, talking about, you know, where you're at and the things that you're working on. Well, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a, it was really a, a kind of a difficult year for me. I, I, you know, after losing my dad in December, um, it really, um, it just, my mind was not focused on golf. Um, you know, my mom passed in 2010, um, of cancer also. And, uh, my sister lives in Madagascar and I was the executor of the estates and I'm trying to handle, you know, the estate and selling the house and just doing all the things. And then also trying to, you know, get used to living my life without my best friend, you know, my dad who got me started in the game and, and he and my mom gave me every opportunity to to succeed and, and all the great things that parents do for their kids. And so I, I'm still not kind of over my dad's passing. I'm have, still have a tough time with it just because, uh, you know, I'm reminded of him so much. But um, I know he wanted me out there playing golf and that's what I did. But I just, I just wasn't real enthused or really interested in golf. I just had a lot of things um, that I was trying to do. So, um, my golf game certainly suffered in the beginning and I didn't, didn't, didn't play well, didn't want to be out there. I was kind of, I guess I was just playing to be playing. I felt like I needed, needed to be out there and, and, and playing, even though I wasn't competing. I mean, that was pretty obvious, but, um, it's, you know, just some things that really kind of, uh, I've kind of left behind, you know, last year was all my focus was on him and, and getting him, uh, getting his treatments and everything else. And so I kind of pushed golf aside, but, there were some things that needed to be worked on and, and I went down and addressed some of those things with Andrew Rice and Savannah and uh I actually started playing some good golf starting about Kansas City. Um, you know, wasn't anything great. My finishes weren't great, but I was starting to make a lot more birdies, starting to hit the ball straight, you know, starting to hit the, get some more length back. So I started seeing some good things and then lo and behold the year ends. So I mean so now I think now my focus is um you know, as I told you before we got on the show was, was, uh, you know, what am I going to do now? Because I'm, I, I don't have any tournaments scheduled. Uh, I'd like to play a few events in Europe. Um, but, but I'm going to probably go to uh, do some qualifiers starting first or second week of October and see how that goes. Um, I'm really looking forward to 2019, um, you know, and circling back to the PGA championship, what they're going to do in May, of 19, they're going to play best page black, which will be the PJ championship. And then the very next week, we're going to travel up upstate to Rochester to play the 2019 senior PJ, which will be my first one at Oak Hill. So I'm looking forward to that. So wow. I guess my long-term, my long-term goals are really to, to get myself, uh, really in, 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 in better shape, um, both health wise and, uh, and game wise. Uh, for 2019, I mean, it's so hard to look at. I look at these athletes in the Olympics and I know you look at like Michael Phelps and he wins all these gold medals and then, you know, he might take a couple of days off and then heck he's back in the pool preparing for four years down the road. So I have a tough time trying to figure out, God, do I start practicing today for January 1st or January 5th of 2019? 
And really the answer is yes. It's, it's hard to look that far out. I mean, I'm such a short sighted person, I think. Um, but, but that's what I'm going to do. And so, um, I'm, I'm anxious to kind of get out there and play. Uh, I'm not that anxious about turning 50, but, um, <laughs> uh, there's certainly another life. And as, as I've been ge- getting beaten up by these young kids out there on the web.com, um, you know, it'll be fun to kind of transition out of that, out of that and into, uh, back to playing golf with guys that I grew up playing with. And that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. And I'm really excited about watching you play with those guys. So I'm looking forward to January 5th, 2019. And just so people know that's Sean's yeah. birthday when he turns 50. So yeah. Sean, before we let you go, let remind our listeners again about how they can stay up to date with all the things you're doing and keep up with you, uh, whether it's online or over social media. Yeah. I'm just, I'm at Sean McKeel PGA still doing that thing. And, and, um, and then, you know, I'm on Facebook as, as always, but, uh, just really enjoy kind of some of the things that have been going on. And certainly I want to give a shout out. I got a lot of friends down in Houston. Um, and, uh, just all of the, the sadness that's going on down there. So I'm passing along my thoughts and prayers to everybody down there. Um, you know, certainly thinking about them and, and how this, this unbelievable storm has affected their lives. And, uh, you know, Steve Timms, the tournament director, I reached out to him yesterday on that golf course where they play the Shell Houston Opens underwater, much like, uh, you know, the whole entire city of Houston. So it's not just golf. It's everybody that's been affected. So just de- definitely thinking about all of them. I appreciate you saying that, as are all of us as well. Sean, thank you for taking time out of your night to, to come back and be a part of the show. I always, you know, treasure getting to spend some time with you. You've been a fantastic friend over the last couple of years, and uh, I can't thank you enough for how generous you've been with your time and, and being back on the show again tonight. You're fantastic, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. And, you know, I certainly enjoy being on and sharing some of these things with all your listeners. It's uh, it's, it's fun for me as well. I appreciate that. Take care, Sean. We look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Sounds great, Chris. All right. Have a good night. All right. You too. That is 2003 PGA champion Sean McKeel. And, folks, you will not find a better person than Sean McKeel. I've really enjoyed getting to know Sean over the last couple of years. He's been fantastic to us. And uh, hopefully we get the opportunity to catch and get him back on the show again uh, sometime this fall.